Wonder how that woman came up with her cool idea and turned it into a business? Listen in to find out how. Welcome to Women Inspired. I'm your host, Linda Ugalo, and on this show I interview artists, healers, changemakers, and entrepreneurs about what fires them up and how they put their dreams into action. I'm really excited to have on my show today a Zen Money CFO. Welcome, Liz LaJoy. Thanks for having me, Linda. First question, what is a, a Zen Money CFO? <laughs> it's a title that I gave myself after moving into the entrepreneurial online world, serving as CFO in a part-time capacity, providing financial management services um, for clients all around the world. And it ties into the topic of both of my books, which are about how do we manage our money as entrepreneurs in a way that feels good, that doesn't make us want to rabbit hole. Um, and it's kind of evolved from there. So I serve as a CFO for my clients and the Zen money part is um, about how we can really create not only good day-to-day -day management, but great strategy and an overall sense of peace of mind and confidence around managing our money, which I found many entrepreneurs, especially creatives, coaches, people who maybe don't consider themselves numbers savvy, um, really want but aren't quite sure how to achieve. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Now, CFO, unless someone works in corporate, they may not know what that even means. True. So it stands in the corporate world as chief financial officer. Um, but it's also a term that a lot of people understand as, oh, that's, you're the money person if mm -hmm. you're the CFO. And so that is my background. And when I moved into the online space, it uh, became something that came along with me. So many people who are starting businesses or have businesses for themselves it's not like they're just doing one thing. They have to wear many hats. Mm -hmm. And being money savvy is one of them, but it may not be their forte. Yes. How do you help people there? When I work with people, because as you say, there's so many people who have great missions or doing great work or busy with their marketing and their sales and they're just serving clients and the money stuff I think we think kind of comes behind. It'll just happen. Um, but in reality, to build a strong business, we need to have a good financial foundation. So when I work with people in a, it's in a variety of ways, we do training. Um, and get people feeling more confident around their decisions, but then my team and I also serve in a kind of embedded financial management, taking care of what I call the ticky-tacky, the day-to-day -day bookkeeping, tax coordination part of it, and then also layering on top this higher level CFO strategy support. So you're, you offer a done-for-you service yes. by helping take care of watching what's going on with the money. Yes. And it also sounds there's a coaching component? There is because I really think it's important to meet people where they are. So I didn't want to only be working with people who were already successful enough to be at a point where they needed somebody like a CFO in their business. There are many people starting out who have a lot of questions, want to get set up successfully from the beginning, um, but don't necessarily need that fully embedded support. But they do need some education. They do need to learn how to manage their money in a way that doesn't feel icky or overwhelming. Um, and that's where sort of the coaching training part of our work comes in. So what do you think are the biggest mistakes that people make around money, aside from ignoring? <laughs> that's what I was going to say. <laughs> The first thing people always ask me, what do people, what is the biggest hurdle? And I think we just, we tend to shy away from it, right? But as we know, 
as coaches in particular, what we pay attention to grows. So if we want to be really successful, a lot of times that means financially, right? Many of us are entrepreneurs, not just because we love working with clients, although we do, but also to feed our kids and pay our mortgage and do fun things in our life and money drives all of that. So if we ignore it for too long, we're not going to be successful. We'll end up with an expensive hobby instead of a business um, or just generally feel dissatisfied because our pricing strategies aren't appropriate or we're not making the money we thought we could or should be. So that's where being clear around that instead of kind of putting it in the closet um, can really help. Mm -hmm. So once people say, okay, I'm going to focus on this, how do you help people begin? Well, my books are a really good way. I'm a big fan of education, so not just my books, there are plenty of great things out there to start learning how to step into a role of CEO. You don't have to become you know, an expert in accounting or the best bookkeeper on the planet to take care of your own finances. A little education, I think, can go a really long way to alleviating that sense of, I'm only, you know, I fear tax time and I only look at it once a year and I just hope that there'll be enough in the bank account. I think a lot of us run our businesses that way. We play what I call the shell game. Right, where we're maybe we're moving money from account to account, we're kind of just hoping and praying that it's going to work out and, um, and taking a little time to watch what's happening with your money, the ins and outs, and getting a little cozier with it, not just putting your statements in a drawer or deleting the email when it comes through is a great place to start because the more you pay attention, the more you'll see what's happening and there's where you see the opportunities for change and growth. Mm -hmm. So do you feel like people should look at their bank accounts more often? I'm a big fan of that, for sure. <laughs> How often should we be looking, checking our banks? Well, you know, your bank sends you uh, a statement once a month for a reason. That's a great time to sit down and look at it. When I work with people, I like to encourage them to start developing a habit of once a week, mm -hmm. looking at your accounts, checking out who owes you money. If anyone still owes you, like, let's not leave it on the table. Let's make sure it comes in so you can put it to use. Um, and just making sure that all of the pieces, you know, income and expense wise are being taken care of. And it doesn't have to take long. It could be 10 minutes. I try, we, we do a Zen Money Monday with the people that I work with. So basically, once a week, you know, at like noon on Mondays, they sit down and just go through stuff. Just check your accounts, um, see if there's anything that you need to take care of so that you don't get caught short months down the road. Mm -hmm. And what's the Zen piece? Well, that came up when I was searching for a title for my first book, From Zero to Zen, which is about really the ticky-tacky small business financial management. What do we need to do as business owners? And I was trying to come up with this feeling, it's a very feeling-based thing, if I just know so many people who find this part hard, and I know it doesn't have to be hard. Um, the math isn't difficult, the concepts aren't over anyone's head, but we have this big barrier. And once we can get past it, though, by just teasing back the curtains a little bit, people feel better. And so for me, Zen, money is about balance and having, knowing what's happening, having sort of, I consider them three pillars of our financial house, it's not just the bookkeeping and day-to-day -day stuff. And it's not just strategy, because if we have strategy but we don't have the numbers to support it, that doesn't help us. And it isn't just mindset either, right? We can be very open and have great plans um, and feel like we're really on track from a mental standpoint, but if we don't have the systems in place, we can't really thrive either. So Zen Money to me is all three of those things brought together in a way that really gives you peace of mind around your money. Mm, peace of mind. Yeah. That's something that we all are searching for, <laughs> I think. Especially around money. I think yeah. there's, we all have some version of um, discomfort, 
around that, and it comes from a bunch of different places, but when you become an entrepreneur, it's under a microscope, it's exacerbated because you're, you know, the money conversation is important. It's, we're driving toward that, we're doing a lot of work and we want money to follow and to be incorporated in that. So if we can't talk about it and feel confident talking about it, um, we get really stuck. Mm -hmm. So where do you think s some of that stuff comes from that gets in people's ways? I think we all have it from a variety of places. Some of us have it from when we were little. You know, it's what we grew up seeing. Um, we don't, we live in a culture where a lot of people have this unspoken rule, you just don't talk about money, right? People don't want to talk about sex and you don't talk about money. And so it's very uncomfortable in a really broad way. Um, so the work that I do, I think translates really well to the personal life as well. You don't have to be an entrepreneur to find Zen money either. Uh, I just happen to work with entrepreneurs because business is my background, but it's, we can all benefit from searching for a little bit more ease around our money and not just putting it in a drawer somewhere. So how did you come to this? I mean, is this part of your personal journey? Were you always good with money? Was no. it? Uh, <laughs> tell us a little bit I about think, that. Again, we all have, we all have uh, history, right? Um, I grew up in a very entrepreneurial, uh, professional service-based family, so very successful, but not. I don't remember learning a whole lot about money specifically. I think a lot of people can resonate with that. We don't. It's not necessarily talked about, or we learn little bits and pieces, but it's not a common conversation in the household, and it wasn't for me either. Um, and I certainly didn't go to school for business. I sort of fell backwards into it, like a lot of entrepreneurs that I know. Uh, but along the way, I started doing work that um, that really made me realize that I'm good at this and I can talk about numbers and what's, and I can translate it, which is really what I get to do with my clients now. But leading up to that, I spent about a decade as a business manager for an engineering firm, people who sell their brains for a living. It's a very particular kind of business model, which many people in the online world share as well. And, um, and I really honed my abilities there. Got my MBA, was in leadership and whatnot, but um, I started helping people on the side and I got to see other businesses and help them grow, and that became really exciting for me. So eventually I transitioned out of my firm and uh, am my own boss entirely now, which is great. Mm -hmm. what, what motivated you to leave being in the firm and working for yourself? It was a few things. Um, being a partner is great, but it can be hard. Uh, as a woman, I definitely was, it was, I was in a tough spot because it was a technical firm. I was the only female partner, and I was the only non-technical partner as a business manager. I was responsible for everything else. And, um, and that was great, but the opportunity to not have other people that I was responsible to, to be able to create something bigger um, on my own time and my own rules was really attractive. Mm -hmm. So once you, that side hustle started to look more lucrative, you thought you could make the, yeah. the pivot. Well, and I, when I started working in the online world, I realized that, and I primarily work in that space, although you know I can meet people where they are, um, I realized that there just there are a lot of people in the online space as entrepreneurs who can benefit from this kind of work because it's such an important key to being able to level up and take things to to that next piece, right? It's easy, fairly easy, to hit you know a certain level of income, but then turning that into a full-fledged 
long-term sustainable business is a different conversation and so that's where we can help um, really make sure all the I's are dotted and T's are crossed and talk you know everything from pricing strategies down to how much are you taking home is it meeting your personal needs what are your big goals and visions let's make sure the business can support that you know that's the great work that we get to do that I find really exciting what do you think differentiates those who kind of do a mediocre job and a great job at taking care of their money? I think uh, fear is a part of it, and I think um, just not having the awareness that it's uncomfortable, so we don't want to look at it, but if we can get past that sort of five minutes of discomfort around learning and uh, stepping up to another level, um, it's so much better long-term. And so I think it's, it's an inherent, eh, I just would rather not look at it. But once we can open the door to the conversation, um, people recognize how much further they can go, including this consciously in their day-to-day. Mm -hmm. And there are plenty of entrepreneurs out there who are great at their money management and it's not an issue for them. Um, but there are also quite a few who shy away from it and can use some conscious support mm -hmm. around it. And one of the things I'm aware of as an entrepreneur is that there are many ways to spend your time. And right. it's not always easy to see what is the biggest return on time spent. Is that something that you help people with? Yeah, because what I here's how I think about money management. It's not just it's not really about the money itself even, but we can use your finances as a beautiful lens to look at all aspects of your business. So looking having those calculations and having that conversation around we had a lot not only cash outlay but it took you weeks and weeks of your time or you were up late for hours and hours uh, working on something let's make sure we look at what the return actually was because often we get excited about a new idea right and we go all in and then it's done and maybe we kind of think well it was it felt okay and then we're on to something else and we don't do that recap Mm -hmm. We don't do the analysis on it. And people who I think who are ultimately successful are doing the analysis so that they can make smart pivots and decisions instead of kind of just reacting. Mm -hmm. It's also complicated by the fact that sometimes your effort has a longer tail, if that's the right word. For instance, let's say you write a book, like you've written two books. Right. And maybe there are monetary benefits that have come with that, like new clients and new visibility, but you don't see that for a period of time. Right, right. We always want to gauge what our short-term cash needs are and how do we make sure that there's enough money coming in to, to you know, keep the wheels turning along while we set up maybe some of those longer-term strategies and opportunities like that. It's, um, it's not an exact science. It's more of a an art, I think, to help somebody walk through that because we all approach our businesses differently, which is the beautiful thing of entrepreneurship, especially if you're a solopreneur, you can kind of make it what you want it to be and, um, and everybody's different. So there's baselines around financial management that we can use to make sure everything's on track, but then we need to pull in your individual personality and your personal needs and make a plan that works specifically for you. And for me, that's the whole Zen money piece as well. There's no cookie cutter approach. Mm -hmm. So it's really, every person has their own Zen. <laughs> that's my goal. That's my big mission. Let's find Zen money for everybody in their own way. That's neat. That's neat. So you have two books. Are they both about money? 
they are both about money. And if you'd asked me even like five years ago, if you thought that I would be, if I thought that I would be writing books about money, I would have laughed a little bit. Um, <clears throat> but they are. So as I said, the first one from zero to zen is around what actually needs to happen as business owners as we're um, handling our money, right? There's certain regulatory requirements and all of that stuff. And then the second one, which just came out recently, is called the Zen Money Map. And that came out of conversations I was having with clients because I was, I was getting a little stuck trying to get them really connected to the numbers conversations. They wanted our help, they really appreciated the support, but they weren't completely engaged um, because there was still some fear and whatnot. And it occurred to me, that a lot of my clients and a lot of probably your viewers have really big goals in life. They have missions that they want to see done. It's more than just let's make a little bit of money to live off of. And I find that if we can tie our big plan, our financial strategies, what's happening in the business, down to the personal life and to those big missions, whether that's, you know, um, building schools in Africa or bringing clean drinking water or just generally supporting a community, um, then that becomes meaningful. So the Zen Money Map is around how do we set up strategies in your business to trickle down, funnel through to that personal life, and ultimately to that big mission and big goal in a way that, again, feels great mm. and feels empowered. Yeah, that's interesting that you're speaking about the bigger mission because I've done a fair amount of reading on money. <laughs> I've had my own money journey, for sure. And one of the things that I found interesting was how a lot of times people may shy away from, they want to make money, but they feel guilty about making too much because mm. they don't know if they can be good stewards of it or what they would do with it. And having that bigger mission definitely can be very motivating. Like understanding that if you made more money, you could have more <coughs> power to impact the world in beneficial ways. Yeah. I just was talking with a friend of mine um, in a live situation, a Facebook Live this week, and we came up with because that's that's the piece of the puzzle. You know, there's a Purdue study that is talks about. I'm sure you've read it around. You know, basically, money can buy you happiness, but only up till about ninety thousand dollars a year of income. And after that, if you're making more money, it's not the mo the money isn't necessarily making you happy or not making you happy. So what do we do with that, right? Many people in the entrepreneurial world want to make a lot of money, right? But if we don't have a plan for it, we're not necessarily going to achieve those big missions. It's just going to kind of um, swirl around. It'll go somewhere, but it may not go to where you want it to go. And it ties into that. What do I, am I going to use it well? You know, what are people going to say if I am wealthy all of a sudden, right? There's all of this language that we, mm -hmm. we speak to ourselves in our head. And the reality is if we, right, if we're growing and we, here's our 90,000, right? Anything up from here, growth-wise, this is our triangle of opportunity to do the big things, mm -hmm. right? To think bigger, to dream bigger. Mm -hmm. And that's a really fun conversation to have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine that um, a big piece of what you do is helping people to look at all the different messages they've received in their life from family, media, school, friends, and the kind of decisions we've made because of that. Like, um, yeah. you, know, you might have felt like you lived in the most rundown house of the neighborhood, mm -hmm. and that affects you. Or maybe you had the nicest house in the neighborhood and that affects you in another way. And you just can't be, it's, it's very individual. And even in the same family, I'm sure that people make different decisions or different conclusions about what they are 
Absolutely. And it's amazing how often it comes up. Here's what I hear when I talk to people. It's always sort of behind the scenes secret, like, by the way, I'm the worst ever with money. I'm like, well, everyone tells me that, so it can't be true, right? <laughs> um, but, you know, we're more likely to go to the negative mm -hmm. around money. So mm -hmm. I think my job is just to be with people and kind of be that mirror and say, is that really true? And over time, right, that image changes because we can look at the real numbers and say, here's what's actually happening. This is where we have success. This is not a failure. It's just an opportunity to shift and change, right? That kind of... Um, feedback and conversation I find is really helpful in changing that internal voice around the money conversation. What do you wish that everybody knew? It doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be scary. That's what I wish everybody knew. And again, plenty of people don't find it that way. But for those of us who do, um, it doesn't take very much to move from the zero of not feeling great to the zen. And so it's very small steps can go a long way. You know, just paying attention to the ebb and flow of the money coming in and out of your business, in and out of your life, even if you're not an entrepreneur. Um, taking some time to review those statements when they come in and just make sure there aren't any errors. I mean, it's totally possible that you end up with bank fees that you didn't know about. Mm. And if you don't call them in a timely manner, they're not going to reverse them, right? Mm. Like, so even if it's 25 bucks, if you can save yourself, why would you not? You know, just take five minutes and look at them. Um, and then beyond that, as you're growing your business, knowing what your zone of genius is. And if you enjoy doing it, awesome. Learn as much as you can and do it. And if you don't, find people who can support you, people who are going to give you the feedback you need, um, not just sort of do your books and then give you a report and, and walk away. It's, it's so is it important to go beyond that? I think for many people it is. I like to meet people where they are, and some people don't need more than that. Um, but many people, I think, to feel truly good about it and to feel truly confident in moving to that next level and making the big money and not kind of freaking out around the, oh, you know, we're here and now what do we do with it? Um, going beyond that does become critical. Mm -hmm. It's why big businesses, you know, as you become big business, have the C-suite, right? You have your people in charge of um, the executive stuff and the financial stuff and the marketing stuff and all of that. So um, at a certain point, you can't wear all the hats either. So at what point is that? When would someone want to start looking at having a bookkeeper or an accountant or a money strategist? It's a great question because it, it happens at different times for different people. Some people are totally comfortable tracking all of their numbers in a spreadsheet and doing their own taxes. Some people aren't comfortable with that, so right out of the gate, they work with an accountant, maybe at tax time. Um, and if that's where your business is, and I know people who are million, multi-million dollar businesses who just track on a spreadsheet and they work with an accountant once a year and they're totally successful. But I know other people who hit you know six figures in income and are starting to go, oh, this is a real thing. I'm not sure how this is going to go. I feel like having somebody at some level, whether that's just taking care of the books or having this next level of strategy conversation, is going to help me feel better about moving forward. Mm -hmm. So um, some people would say hitting six figures, that sounds good to me. Mm -hmm. Why would someone with six figures feel unsettled about that? Well, six figures of income in a business, as we know, isn't six figures in our pocket. That's mm -hmm. the first part. Mm -hmm. So it can be great, but depending on our expenses and everything else, it may not be as much money in our pocket as we would assume. Um, 
And again, many people out there, when you, if you're a true entrepreneur and you have the bug, you generally want to keep pushing forward and increasing and seeing how many more people you can help and how much more good you can do in the world. And so that generally also includes an increase in income. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So someone who has six figures, they may also have a lot of expenses. They want to understand how they can get more of that money in their own pocket rather than going out the door. Right. It's, you know, it's, it's a numbers game to a certain extent. So mm -hmm. we can track it a bunch of different ways, but if we're making $500,000 a year in our business and we're spending $600,000 a year, we're not actually doing very well, even though on paper we have a half a million dollar business. Mm -hmm. So this is the conversation, right, of just making sure you know what's actually happening and it doesn't catch you by surprise. Um, you know exactly where you actually stand so you can make good decisions. Mm -hmm. So if somebody wanted to learn more about the kind of work you do, whether or not they work with you or someone like you, where would they begin? They can visit us online at zenmoneycfo.com. Um, and they can also grab our my latest book, The Zen Money Map, if you would like to download it for free. If your audience would like to download it for free, they can go to zenmoneymap.com and just start reading, get into it, and start teasing back that curtain that we might have been hiding our finances behind um, and start to figure out what works for you. Because the reality is, I found, there's sort of a series of types of personalities around our money management. And, um, and knowing what that is so that we know how to manage our money in a way that works for us is really important as well. Because what I'm gonna do in my business is gonna be different than what feels right and works for you. And so if we know our inherent approaches, that can be really helpful as well. Mm -hmm. What are some, just, are there like four different approaches? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there are many, but I talk about five. <laughs> Can you just give us a rundown? Sure, really briefly. Um, the architect is somebody who is completely comfortable managing their money and probably just you know doing it in a spreadsheet or on a notebook or whatever. Maybe they take care of their own taxes. They may not ever need anybody else for help. Maybe later when they hit you know multiple um, big growth, they will end up wanting to bring somebody into their business. Uh, the baker is somebody who knows it's not their zone of genius. Maybe they're working with a um, bookkeeper. They probably have an accountant, but um, they kind of just don't want to look at it. They might be interested in, in learning more. Uh, generally, things are okay, but they're not, um, they're not super aware of what's happening financially. And um, the celebrity is somebody who really knows that it's not what they want to be doing. They're on a big growth trajectory, and they're building a team. And that includes, right out of the gate, them wanting somebody who can help them get to that next level because they can see where they're going. Um, I'm gonna skip D for a second. <laughs> and the E is an editor, which is like a true entrepreneur's entrepreneur who can do it all, has done it all, and hits a certain level of growth that says, I am now ready to bring somebody in to support at the management level. Um, they're not afraid of it, they know how it goes, but it's time to pass it off to somebody else for time, right? Um, the D is the dancer, or the person who maybe hides away from it. You know, there's, we're not looking at all, tax time comes around and we're really uncomfortable, um, just generally is at a point where something needs to shift for the business to grow. The good news is we're not necessarily in those archetypes forever, right? We can change, we can learn, we can grow. So um, if you know, you're somebody who wants to pull the covers up over your head or the dancer archetype, that doesn't mean that you have to be that way forever or feel that way forever. Mm -hmm. It's nice. And I love the visual and the 
imagic qualities of these different archetypes. Thank you. Yeah. I think it's important because we think of numbers and money management as being very dry, very uh, black and white, and boring. Mm-hmm. And I feel like money is an exciting way to see, it's a, it tells a story if we pay attention to it. And um, that gives it life too. Oh, well thank you, I love that. We, I think that's a great place to end. So again, if people want to get a hold of you or learn more, where do they go? They can go to zenmoneycfo.com or find me on Facebook, Liz LaJoy, uh, happy to connect and see if we can help get you on the right path. Thanks so much. Thank you. I've learned a lot about money today. Great. (laughs) Thanks so much for coming on to our episode today. And if you have a presentation coming up that you're feeling a little bit of dread, I have a guided visualization for speaking confidence. You can get that at lindayugalow.com forward slash speaking confidence. And be sure to come and watch the next episode. Thank you for listening to Women Inspired. The show is recorded live in the studios of Bedford TV in Massachusetts. Music courtesy of Sheikh Gamin. If you like this episode, please leave a review or comment. You can subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or watch all the TV episodes of Women Inspired with the show notes and links at www.lindayugalo.com forward slash TV. Thank you.